Good evening from Plug Hit Studios in Largo, Florida. I'm I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we are here with episode 530 of F5 Live Refreshing Technology for Sunday, June 30th, 2019. This show is a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. This week, Apple's got a new design direction. Switch Online might have an expanded game collection, and privacy has a new antagonist in the government. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be on uh, social media, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, uh, Snapchat, on any of our live stream platforms, livestream.com, Periscope, Mixer, uh, Twitch, uh, Facebook Live, and YouTube Live, on any of the podcatchers, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the Podcast Play app in the Windows Store, the myriad of others like Spotify or TuneIn Radio, or of course on our website, PluckHitsLive.com. Thank you for making us a part of your day. Like I said, this is F5 Live, the uh, flagship show here on the PluckHits Live family of content. We are live Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern for about an hour, and we will talk about the news of the week. Uh, and uh, there are two ways that you can join us. The first is live at 9 p.m. by going to f5live.tv slash join us. There you can chat with us in the chat room. Uh, in in the studio and give us your feedback on the topics as we talk about them. The best way to do that will be on either Mixer, Twitch, or YouTube. Uh, if you comment on Facebook, we will not see it until after the show, so that's important to know. Uh, if you can't join us live, that's okay. PluckItFlive.com slash subscribe. You can see all of our shows there and all of the different ways that you can subscribe. Um, I guess with that, Avram, it's, uh, it's been a couple of weeks. How have you been? You are muted, friend. I don't have anything from you. How's this? Oh, there sorry. Go. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. Good, good. So, um, yeah, the it's been uh, it's been a busy couple of weeks. Uh, when we get to my segment, I'll talk about the thing that I've been working on for on and off for well for two weeks before last week, pretty much continuously, and before that a little bit. Um, and uh you know it's always a lot <laughs> always a lot going on um always a lot going on at tom's hardware uh obviously we're excited about um everybody knows that a there's going to be a big amd launch uh actually like i think a week from today uh so or a week from today a week from tomorrow something like that so uh so it's uh there's going to be there's going to there's a lot going on right now. This is not your typical uh, summertime slow news time. No, for sure. Right. We've got yeah. we're seeing all kinds of interesting stuff. And uh, I mean, I've got a stack of products that I've been working on reviews for that are all coming out this week or next week. And then we've got what next uh, in two weeks? We've got Prime Day. Oh, yes. That is <laughs> going to be quite a day, Prime Day. Yes, indeed. Um, I am going to, to put this out there for our listeners. This new microphone that I've been using that I am absolutely in love with, this whole family is going to be on sale on Prime Day. So uh, <laughs> I, I'm i super excited about that. The uh, The USB version of this, basically the, the neat version of the mic that you're using, Abram, uh, yep. is, is going to be 99 bucks. The original retail is three fifty. It's going to be ninety nine. I'm so excited. 
Wow. Yeah. Well, that's a good time for people, people who are trying to get into to podcasting and expensively to get a good microphone. Yeah, for sure. So, so that's good. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I know, like you said, your, your week has been, or your past week was all about the raspberry Pi, which I can't wait to hear about. Uh, my week has been all about led lights and uh and these microphones it's been a very strange review week. i i wish i wish my week were about led lights that's kind of cool <laughs> listen i won't i won't belabor this point but one thing i didn't get to talk about because we didn't have a show last week i got to do career day at my son's school for Ooh. for a bunch for four third grade classes and his first grade class and you would and for all those who don't like rgb computers you need to embrace your inner child because as soon as I showed the kids my video, a video of like the RGBs computer that we made at Tom's Hardware, which has the uh-huh. most RGBs possible, they loved it. Holy cow. I, I bet. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, I have been dealing with uh, at CES this year, Monster announced uh, the Illuminescence line of uh, like home mood lighting. And I have five products from the line that i've been testing i'm the reason i'm looking off in a weird direction if you're watching the video is because i'm looking at two of them (laughs) right now that are in the hallway outside the studio uh it's been a very strange review process (laughs) because how do you how do you review a light bulb you know it's it it sure seems like a weird thing i think i figured it out though and those reviews will be up this week on all of them so Anyway, that's been that's been my week. <laughs> what you've got to do is you've got to see how long it lasts before it burns out. Since that, since they're supposed to be thousands of hours uh-huh. or years, what you need to do is you need to put up the review in a few years. So I was thinking, or time travel. See, I was thinking about doing a follow up ages from now when the products yeah. finally start to fail. <laughs> Be like, hey, so. Uh, it's been three and a half years, and the bulbs finally went. <laughs> It'd be kind of a fun follow-up later yes. on. I've actually been thinking about doing follow-ups on some of the products that I have like maintained usage on. Uh, like I have a, a tracker that I keep on my on my keys, uh, one of those you know Bluetooth LE type trackers, like a like a tile. Most people know tile. Yeah. This is a competitor for them. Oh, oh no, I have a tra- I have trackers. Yeah. And so I I found that the batteries died very fast. See, that was one of the things about this one is the battery was actually really great. And that's the reason why I've kept it on my keys. I've got a half a dozen or more other ones as well, but I've kept, kept this one on my keys because the battery worked so well. Um, And I kind of want to go back and say that like, you know, I reviewed this thing a year and a quarter ago and I'm still using it that now, kind of thing, thing that's about, a that's an that's a bit of an endorsement you know what i mean yes now the good thing about the tracker i have to say i do like the tracker stuff it's just that every time i've used them the, the battery seems to be running out on me pretty quick one thing i uh it's really good is the battery is is removable so you're talking so you about don't... the brand tracker with no e yes what are you talking about i am talking about the concept of a tracking device in general oh but, the concept yeah, yeah. but yes but yes, I, I, I agree, and that's one of the things that I liked about this one is that the battery is removable. You don't have to worry about trying to find a weird place to plug it in and charge it. 
my my key fob for my car is a rechargeable one it takes a mini usb mini not micro mini i have like none of those left anyway so that's weird but yeah i've been thinking about going back and doing follow-ups on stuff anyway so uh that with that how about we get into some news This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Uh, whether you're looking for a new laptop, a Xbox One S or X, you're looking for a phone, a tablet, monitors, uh, the Microsoft Store has it all. And there are a couple of deals running right now. Um, I see a deal on the Xbox One S Fortnite Edition. I know that most of the surfaces have been on sale. And there's a bunch of laptops on sale for up to $300 off right now. And remember, if you are military or a student, you get 10% off from the Microsoft Store on almost all products. And to find out uh, about all, all those deals and all the products that are available, you can go to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. All right. So in an abrupt change of gears, let's talk about Apple. Uh there, over the last 23 years, within a, within a matter of months, 23 years ago, two people joined the Apple team. Uh, one was Steve Jobs' return from his excommunication a couple of years prior, uh, and the other was Joni Ive, uh, who is or was the head of design for the company for most of his tenure at the company. Um, he is responsible for everything from the design of the bizarre iMac 4 G, uh, G4 that looked like a desk lamp through uh, all the way up through honest to god the uh, spaceship campus that uh, the company is based out of now it has been kind of his vision the way the company has uh, released and designed its products and as of this week, Joni Ive is no longer an employee of Apple after 23 years with the company. He has left to create his own design firm, which makes sense. Um, and because you know, if, if you've been working on just tech products and just the very small selection of products, that, you know, in the grand scheme of things, right? The, the small selection of products that Apple... Uh, produces you're gonna stale out at some point you're gonna want to get your hands into something other than the dozen or so products really the dozen or so products that apple has their hand in directly that's my thought you know um for what it's worth and wikipedia is always right of course they they actually say that he started as an employee in 1992 and he took over as vice president of design in 97. Oh, okay. So I had read that so, I had read that he had joined in at the about the same time. Okay. That makes sense. But so uh, it's been 23 years of him in charge of design essentially. Yes. Which, yes. which is even more impressive. Yes. So you know, I think obviously I've never been an Apple fan. 
person. So take the, take this for what it's worth. The guy obviously did some, some very interesting things brought a focus to design for technology, which, sure. which is, is great. Mm-hmm. And, but you know, for, for better or worse, you know, his designs have heavily influenced the industry. Everybody hated the notch and you can't get away from it today. All, all because of one of his designs. You know what I mean? It yes. But influential actually, in the industry. But I actually think that, that the, uh, I mean, I don't know if he's exactly going anywhere because he's going to start his own firm and, mm-hmm. He's Apple's going to be a client of his. Right. And let's be honest, Apple hasn't had a lot of original ideas lately anyway. But, um, you know, it's it would actually be a real refreshing thing if people stopped trying to to copy Ives designs and he, because it's gotten really boring. Yeah. Like it's got. Yes, maybe that's the mark of the success. But if I have to see another silver notebook that looks like a MacBook. Oh, I know. If I have to see another phone that's trying to copy the iPhone, which itself hasn't changed much right. in the last several years. Right. Right. So the Apple design is iconic, but it's also become really boring and played and played out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and which, frankly, which I think might be an indication of him staling out on doing just a limited number of tech products. I think if he gets to to, you know, flex his design muscle on other stuff somebody comes to him and wants him to design a toaster you know whatever kind of crazy thing you know cooper design does i think i think him getting to flex that creativity will be good for him and therefore possibly even good for apple yeah i mean i i i hope so i mean it's i mean Maybe it'll be good. Maybe he'll be able to do something more interesting. But frankly, what would be even what would be good for Apple is if they found somebody else to design their stuff, mm-hmm. so they'd have more interesting things for other people to copy. Yeah. Or even better, even better, other phone vendors, other other compute PC vendors could try to make original designs, Absolutely. which a lot of them are, which a lot of them are. So I got to give some props, for example, to HP in the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of breaking out of the shadow of of Apple, uh, Apple design, and having things like their Spectre X360, which has these like angular corners now, mm-hmm. and they're using colors like Poseidon blue and things like that. That's really interesting. Yeah, the the Surface laptops in those crazy colors that they come in, that maroon and the 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 metallic blue and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. there's definitely companies out there that are. That are trying to buck the all silver trend, as I say that with a a surface book in front of me that is all silver. Now, at the same <laughs> time, I, I I hear I keep hearing that like Best Buy and all these other retailers say yes, everybody likes to look at colorful computers, but they don't actually, but they buy silver. Uh-huh. So, but maybe they buy silver because that's what Apple does, right? I mean, right. There was a time when Apple did do color. It was the iMac, right, and the iBook, um, the G3, and, the the thing the, that introduced color into technology. Honest to God, and that yes. was and that was uh, Ive at his best. I you know that like that was his first big project as the head of design 
for Apple was the yeah. the G3, both the iBook and the iMac, which everybody remembers, love it or hate it, everybody knows the candy colored bubble Macs. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. So I got one around here somewhere. Yeah, I I thought those were beautiful. I mean, you know, and I'm not a Mac guy, but I thought those were beautiful, and I kind of wanted one. Uh, I, I liked that. Uh, and, and I mean, going back 23 years, uh, even you know, even then, what did those come out in, in like mid 97 or something like that? Mid to late 97. Yep. In 98, Compaq released a very similar Windows computer. Yes, <laughs> eMachines had one that was a, mm-hmm. my my parents had an eMachines computer that was like a direct clone. Uh huh. <laughs> I remember, I remember the e-machines one but the, yes. the ipac which was originally uh originally the name for a computer and not a, a palm pilot uh <laughs> the the ipacs were basically clones and they you know they sold yep <sighs> well it was uh you know so i think his departure could be good yeah. uh good for apple good for the industry but who and maybe good for him uh i know it's the end of an era but it's become a pretty stale era right now so it's the end of the steve jobs era which is kind of an important thing because you know the two of them kind of coming in to their positions at the same time and the two of them obviously working hand in hand for what what does that work out to about 18 years you know the Obviously, the two of them had a similar thought process on design. Other because you know Steve Jobs was notoriously mean to people whose designs he disagreed with. So obviously, the two of them must have had a good, a like good synergy on their design ideas. So really, his leaving could indicate like a legitimate new wave of design for Apple, and the the end of the the steve jobs era which obviously was important for apple because without those two guys apple probably wouldn't exist today Hmm. um since they were you know filed for bankruptcy twice they may not even be a thing today but uh i think like you said i think it's time for some some mix up over there i would like to see apple do a microsoft which i I doubt which would be so on Apple, but who knows? They've been doing some different things under under uh, Cook. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I mean, look at Microsoft trying to embrace all these other platforms, mm-hmm. make, you know, make software for Android, makes, you know, make a Linux command, uh, Linux terminal uh-huh. in, as part of the OS. You can you can go to the Windows, to the Microsoft store right now on Windows 10 and download like nine different builds of of linux as a self-contained thing from the store that's crazy right so (laughs) that's that's certainly not the uh the uh balmer microsoft right it seems so i mean it seems microsoft's making money so it seems to be a good idea maybe maybe apple will we'll see that but you know they've they've tried it a little bit um apple music is available on android you know, there's, yes. there, there's, they've branched out a little bit, but certainly not in the way that Microsoft has. Yeah. And it would be, it'd be interesting to see if that would be, if that would be part of it. And without, without, you know, Jobs' sidekick in an executive position, 
you know, Tim Cook might might feel a little different. You know what I mean? Maybe yeah. it's always possible that he's held back because Ive has been there, who was who was like Job's sidekick. Maybe he's felt uncomfortable making big moves. Maybe we'll yeah. see some changes over there. Who knows what this could bring? But I think yep. from a designer's standpoint, uh, from from Ive's position, I think this will be good for him professionally and creativity yep. creatively. So yep. be interesting to see what happens. This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by Newegg. Whether you're building a new computer or upgrading an existing one, Newegg has all of the parts and pieces you need to accomplish your goal. Whether you need a motherboard and processor, RAM, a new SSD, or you need a whole system, uh, you can find them all at Newegg. Every day they've got some daily deals. Uh, right now they've got uh, some RAM and an SSD, which is crazy inexpensive it's crazy to see um an ssd for uh 19 uh, <laughs> uh, for those of us who have been following it for a long time uh, but they've also got um full systems an hp laptop for 399 to see all of the deals that are available today and every day and to uh to find all of the products that are available you can go to pilchpoint.live slash new so show and tell time i always love avram show and tell time so i gotta tell you i've been keeping this uh, a secret for a while the secret's out because the embargo the embargo is up but i was one of a very handful of people to get early access to the new raspberry pi the raspberry pi 4 <laughs> now i gotta tell you that uh i interviewed um uh, Evan Upton, the founder of Raspberry Pi and the CEO of Raspberry Pi Trading, which is the branch of the Ras of the nonprofit Raspberry Pi Foundation that like develops and manufactures the new the pies. And back in January, he told me, "Oh, we're not going to be able to do this till next year." And then a couple months later, he called me. He's like, "Oh, things have changed." And what he told me had changed actually is this is what they were working on, but he didn't think they would be able to get the CPU in. Uh, I guess for the price that they wanted in mass production for another year, and then they were able to. So let's have a look at this. Dun, dun, dun. All right. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, so here it is the Raspberry Pi 4. Technically speaking, the Raspberry Pi 4B. Now, why is it the 4B? Because this is the form factor that Raspberry Pi has used in their most popular, most notably, hold on a moment, I'll show you a comparison here. This is a 3B+. plus. This is the latest beforehand, and this is the, four, the 4B, right? And you can see they're about the same size. There's like another millimeter or so on this because the ports of, the port locations have changed a little bit. So what, ha what has changed? Uh, so... One, first thing that's changed is instead of one HDMI connector, you've got two mini HDMI connectors. So you can power dual monitors with this, no problem. Wow. Uh, in fact, you can power two 4K monitors with it. Now, wow. to be honest with you, 
it's not very quick when you have two 4K monitors. Sure. The, um, it can only do 30 hertz on two 4K monitors. If you want one 4K monitor, you can get 60 hertz. And if you want like two 1080p monitors, um, or, you know, I'm not sure exactly what happens if you try two 2K monitors, um, but you can have a 4K 60 hertz and, and, and a one 1080p monitor as well. But anyway, you know, I've got mainly got 1080p monitors at my desk. So if you've got two 1080p monitors, uh, no problem. The performance is, is, is really good. Two 4Ks at 30 hertz, it starts to be a little jerky. Um, but uh, so that's one. The other thing is this uses a little bit more electricity. And so it, instead of having a, a micro USB connector for charging, it has a USB-C connector for charging. Uh, and it requires a charger that is at least... Uh, five volt that is five volts and at least three amps uh so the prior one was five volts and 2.5 amps so you know not only will you need to have your your heavy charger that does USB-C, but it's got to do at least three amps uh and of course there's an official one for ten dollars um the processor is new this is a 28 nanometer processor as opposed to the 40 nanometer processor on here this runs at a native speed of 1.5 gigahertz. On the 3B Plus, that's 1.4 gigahertz, so not, not a huge difference in the in, not a huge difference in the uh, clock speed, but uh, with the lower nanometers and everything else, it uh, oh, and the um, this uses a Cortex uh, A72 architecture, and this is an A53. So it can do a lot more processing simultaneous, process a lot more instruction simultaneously. So even at the same clock speed or slightly higher clock speed, it's a lot, it's a lot faster. Um, another really big improvement in the Pi 4B is that it has uh, up to four gigabytes of RAM. The previous Raspberry Pis, one gigabyte was all you got. Uh, and you know, if you had a Pi Zero uh, that had 512 or you had a Pi A, model that had 512 this has available in one two and four gigabyte configurations this one here i have is the four um the one gigabyte it costs 35 dollars the two gigabyte 45 dollars and the four gigabyte 55 dollars uh so 35 dollars is usually what people expect to pay for raspberry pi here if you want the same amount of ram you had had in the old model you can pay the same but if you want more ram you got to pay a little more now do you need more ram if you're using this as a like a computer, which you can, then yes, yeah, it's good to have more RAM. If you're using it as like a weather station or something where it's just doing a limited of you know interacting with a few sensors, you're not really multitasking and running the GUI on it. Uh, one gigabyte's probably fine. And if you're using an emulator, uh, which the emulators don't work yet, I should um, disclaim. One of the things that's going on here. Well, let me get to the end of the the tour of it and then I'll, I'll talk to you about compatibility so the one of the other things that's really really important here is you'll see that this had look at the difference here in usb ports you can see the colors here on my left there's two usb 3 ports here on my right the old model no it's all usb 2 so much faster connections to peripherals meaning you could do what i was experimenting with this weekend and attach an external SSD to it and actually get pretty decent speeds out of that. Now, like 
like Raspberry Pi, like all Raspberry Pis, it boots off of a micro SD card. And the micro SD slot is twice as fast as it was on here. Um, you can't tell from looking at it, but it maxes out at a theoretical maximum of about 50 megabytes a second versus 25 for this. Either way, that's not great. Um, but if you use an SSD, an external SSD, you will get better transfer rates. Um, so what hasn't changed, it's got these, it's got your 40 pin GPIO, which makes it compatible with all the old Raspberry Pi, uh, accessories, uh, all the old connect. Well, I shouldn't say every accessory it makes it compatible with the accessories with any hats, uh, or things that you plugged in. Okay. But what it won't be compatible with are cases because they have to have different layouts for the ports and this ports jut out a little bit more. So you can't use an old Raspberry Pi case with this. And if there's something like a, you know, a retro arcade system that you want to pop it into uh, and it was made specifically for the regular old receptor, you got to wait for a new one. Um, the other thing is you cannot, it, it requires a new version of the Raspberry Pi operating system, Raspbian. Uh, it requires a new version called Raspbian Buster. Um, Raspbian Buster also runs on the old ones, but if you try to run an older version of the operating system on this, it won't boot. Well, unfortunately, a lot of a lot of apps, a lot of people did not have, a lot of developers did not have early access to the Raspberry Pi 4, so they weren't working on, or to Raspbian, so they weren't working on launch day updates to their software. And as sometimes happens with Linux, unfortunately, you change a little bit about the operating system and and, major, and apps break. Mm -hmm. So, for example, RetroPie, uh, the main arcade emulator that people use, does not yet work. You know, it's been a week and it does not yet work on the Raspberry Pi 4. Um, so, you know, the, there will be things that do not yet work on the Raspberry Pi 4 because of the operating system, because they may have to address the slightly different graphics card in this. It uses slightly faster... Uh, GPU and the SOC. Uh, so there will be things that that don't work, but they will soon work um, for sure. Um, so how does it perform? Well, Raspberry Pi says Foundation says that it's two to four times faster than this. And that's pretty much true on, on all the tests that I ran. Uh, now, if you're going to be browsing the web uh, with it, you can competently... Uh, it has 802.11ac Wi-Fi, and it's got gigabit Ethernet. Um, the Ethernet speed is actually an upgrade, too, because it was only uh, a third of gigabit on here. Um, if you browse you know, the Internet, it, 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 it will do competently. Uh, you know, it'll be competent. Video playback, unfortunately, still needs, I think, some tweaks, because even though it has 4K output, I was not able to play 4K videos on it on it without them basically coming to a halt. Um, 10, even 1080p videos uh, at full... 1080p offline video seems to work okay at full screen if I'm in 1080p resolution. If I'm in 4K resolution and it tries to scale up, it gets sluggish. And if I'm doing YouTube video, no matter how fast the bandwidth... If I play 1080p video at full screen, it 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 becomes it's it's definitely losing some frames. 
if I play 1080p video in a win- YouTube video in a window where it's not taking up the whole screen, it can be smooth. So I hope those are some things that kind of get ironed out with the software and, you know, tweaks to the to the OS and things like that. Uh, but the, but overall, this is an absolutely huge step up. Uh, I've said before that everybody should own a Raspberry Pi. Well, if you're going to buy a Raspberry Pi now, everybody should own the Raspberry Pi 4. Um, and if you are wondering which one to get and you're not sure and you just want one to experiment with, you probably should spend the extra money and get the 4 gigabyte model. Now, that being said, I have not been able to find the 4 gigabyte model for sale uh, hmm. uh, online in the U.S. A lot of places still only have the 1 gigabyte model right now. Um, but... Um, Whichever you get, the performance will be good, and, and generally you're not using more than one gigabyte of RAM unless you're using this like a computer and you're multitasking. Uh, but if you want to try that experience, it's designed to actually be good enough to be used as a computer. Um, although I don't, I wouldn't say that people are going to be throwing away their PCs anytime soon in favor of this. But it, isn't it good to know that you have something that's this powerful? I mean, the best use cases for it are the ones that we haven't even really seen yet which is using it for things like machine learning and object recognition and better Internet of Things devices, uh, more so than using it as a standalone PC. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can read a lot more about it on Tom'sHardware.com. We've got, we've got a series, uh, we've got a very detailed review with benchmarks. We've got stories on overclocking it. And we've got store, and uh, we, we will soon, tomorrow, probably have a story up on what it runs like with an SSD inside. So... Uh, you know, we continue to mine this uh, this product, which is really fascinating. Uh, uh, really fascinating, and I definitely recommend people recommend people to buy it. Uh, every every self respecting tech enthusiast, uh, can, you know, could use one of these. Well, that's that's really cool. Um, so you said that you're finding the one gigs available. And the, yeah, so the, one gig, the, the one, other model is not so much yet. Yeah, I mean, you can look around online. It, it changes day to day. I know some people managed to buy the fours online, but I think some of them bought them from England or things like that. Um, no, Raspberry Pi manufactures these in the UK. So um, Micro Center is a fantastic place. If you live near Micro Center, it's a fantastic place to get these uh, because they're one they i a lot of their local stores have the one gigabyte in stock um and there's a few you know online a lot of places are still getting them got it well i i have been thinking uh you mentioned uh enhanced like internet of things devices i've been also thinking like enhancing being able to enhance uh embedded technologies um things like you know we've seen at ces the last couple of years we've seen uh, the smart mirrors and they're always kind of half cocked ideas um, but with something like this you could really be able to pull lots of data sources together without having to fear the the repercussions right because that's that's always the problem when you're pulling lots of data sources on something with a small amount of RAM or something like that being able to process all that starts to become a problem but you know, if you've got up to four gigs to be able to display, uh, to display and process weather data and all that kind of stuff, you know, it starts to get way more, uh, way more feasible. Yeah, 
yeah, I think I think it will be really good for that. Um, you know, I did run some uh, machine learning, uh, at least one machine learning benchmark on it. Um, another one I tried, which seems to now, in the latest build of, of Buster, Raspbian Buster, I cannot get working. Uh, but I tried a tutorial that lets the, that actually works on Raspberry, the old Raspberry Pi, that will do object recognition using Google TensorFlow, mm-hmm. uh, and you know that was you know way improved on this, but still you know depends on what you consider slow. So like original Raspberry Pi, Raspberry Pi 3B Plus, I was getting like 0.9 frames per second object recognition with with a webcam uh, attached to it. On this, I was getting 1.7. So like a, that's a seventy percent improvement, but it's still one point seven frames a second. Right now, so it depends. But that's that program, right? Um, so it depends on it depends on what you're doing with it, obviously. Sure. Um, I was involved at the tail end of a project. Uh, the company I work with uh, was involved with doing a, an object recognition thing using TensorFlow, and they ended up abandoning uh, Raspberry Pi as their embedded. <laughs> Uh, processor because of of that they ended up using it as the thing transmitting the video <laughs> remotely to the TensorFlow, but they couldn't they couldn't use it as the processor uh, for exactly that reason. Well, for what it's worth, and I haven't actually had. I actually want to say I, I wasn't even. Uh, this was another thing where the instructions and tutorials I had to do it didn't work in the latest Raspbian and maybe they will, you know, when it gets updated. But one thing I have over here that I have, have not really gotten working well yet. I think I got it working for a minute, but not with live object recognition is this thing. So this here is a Google Coral uh, USB accelerator. And it is something that a lot of people use with the Raspberry Pi. And this is meant to offload some of that processing directly onto this thing. Oh, and it should work better on the four because, as you can see, it's USB three, so it'll have the bandwidth. Um, so that kind of thing could make could actually be another thing that makes it, um, you know, more even better at, at uh, object recognition. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm looking at I'm looking at the uh, the site for it right now, and they they specifically. Uh... They specifically mentioned using it with Raspberry Pi and TensorFlow Lite. So, yeah, yeah. that's that's a cool thing I've not encountered. Uh, the project we were working on ended up going with a, a specialty processing computer because they needed, like, super fast processing. But <laughs> doing defense projects works that way. Anyway, um, well, that that is a really cool device. I've been following <laughs> all the stuff you guys have have published this week which uh has been interesting i always i always like raspberry pi stuff so it's a passion for me so i really enjoyed i uh, have enjoyed working on it um and uh you know it was one of those things though having early access to it was really great and a wonderful privilege uh but new software builds were coming out for it like every day or two so i tried something it didn't work or i'd run a benchmark and then i'd be oh new build came out Uh, now i gotta reinstall everything Uh uh-huh so yeah that makes sense well i'm uh i'm glad that you were able to do like a really in-depth dive into it because it's it's a fascinating uh 
fascinating technology. And like you said, it's one of those things that, that is appropriate for more and more people every day. So, um, obviously thanks for showing it off. Uh, I can't wait to get my hands on one of them, hopefully pretty soon. <laughs> This week's Extra Life on F5 Live is proudly powered by Razer. All the accessories you need to up your game on both PC and on console are available from Razer. And right now, they've got a whole bunch of, uh, of deals running. And uh, in fact, if you are interested in any of the Razer uh, Quartz Edition products, which are the, uh, the, the pink versions of a number of their products, they are all on sale right now uh, for actually pretty great discounts. Um, whether you're looking for a microphone, a headset, a mouse, keyboard, uh, and even uh, full systems, Razer has got uh, some deals for you. And you can find all of those deals and all of their products by going to f5live.tv slash Razer. Now if they just put the... Uh the white ones on sale i'd be all kinds of excited <laughs> all right so um we've talked about the the benefits of switch online since it launched um a number of months ago and uh one of them just like xbox live and playstation plus uh is that you get free games and uh up until now all of those games have been uh, original NES titles, which is a lot of fun for somebody like me who grew up uh, with the NES as their first personal console. However, uh, younger people with Switches may or may not uh, have the same nostalgic connection. And uh, in an almost unrelated question... <laughs> Um, the president of Nintendo confirmed that they are considering expanding the, uh, the lineup outside of the NES. Somebody asked, interestingly enough, not about the Switch at all, but instead, if Nintendo was ever going to release um, the classic consoles for the N64. Uh, for those who who don't know, Nintendo released an NES Classic and a Super NES Classic, which were small versions of the console that came preloaded with a bunch of games. Uh, the SNES actually came with a game that never released in the United States. Um, and everybody has wanted an N64, because everybody wants uh, to play uh, Super Mario 64 without having to find a used copy and buy it for way more than its original retail which is the way it usually works out um so uh he said nope right now we are not considering that however we are considering putting non-nes titles into the classic console on the switch which i think is uh just as good because <laughs> that means you could take them with you as well and we know that nintendo is uh super litigious when it comes to uh, emulators and things like that. So if they were to make it uh, available and make it portable by putting it on the Switch, 
I think that would be crazy popular, especially with the rumored uh, Switch Mini coming out soon. So, would you do you know if you would be have to buy each title, or would it be Mm-mm. would it be sort of uh, part of a subscript part of the subscription part subscription of, part of the subscription? Um, uh, there are there are titles that are. Um, that are available uh, in the classic console for purchase. But this is specifically uh, dealing with kind of retrofitting a bunch of the games and putting them as part of the Switch Online subscription. So that yeah, that's super cool. Because Switch Online is only 20 bucks a year as opposed to, you know, PlayStation Plus and uh, Xbox Live. They're like 70 bucks a year. And if you have if you have Amazon Prime, which we'll talk about in a minute, you get a year for free. So, uh, you know, there's so I. Go ahead. You were saying, nope, I don't know where I was going to go with that sentence, so I'm good. (laughs) Okay, so you said something that really struck me, which is you were old enough to having have to have played SNES and NES. But you think that younger people who that wasn't a thing in the prime of their childhood wouldn't play those games. Not necessarily that it, yeah. they wouldn't play those games, but certainly that it wouldn't have the same nostalgia factor that it does for me. See, it's interesting to me because I was having that debate with some people, not nostalgia, just like whether it was appealing uh-huh. uh, to with, you know, folks at my office. And, you know, I work with a lot of uh, people in their twenties and early thirties uh, who didn't grow up with some of the some of the games that I grew up with, sure. like you know original arcade games and Atari Twenty Six Hundred, um, and so you know I was talking about it. You know, I think I mentioned I mentioned the game Fast Food or something, which I don't know how many people would remember. You know, the one where the one. I forget what it was. I was saying something. Something we were doing was like fast food, where the pickles just keep coming at you, and if you if you eat them, you burp, and that's the end of the game. Anyway, so so I was mentioning that, and a bunch of the youngins at my job were like, "No, never heard of that. Didn't play games like that. Not interested in playing those sorts of games on an emulator." And then I thought about my son, who's seven years old, and I've shown him those games, and he loves them. Mm-hmm. So I've shown him you know, all kinds of old games and he, and he likes them. He doesn't have a sense of maybe he will. I don't know. He doesn't yet have a sense of, okay, this game is old. Mm -hmm. It's low resolution. doesn't have as many features. So it's bad. Right. Like he, and having zero likes the old and having zero connection to them, which I think is like people in the, in their twenties have a connection to a certain collection of titles. And so they get caught to that and they think, you know, things that came before are, you know, whatever. But Nintendo, however, is the exception to that rule. I don't know why, but Nintendo is the exception to that rule because Nintendo keeps releasing like Mario Maker 2 just came out, which is basically make your own levels for the old games. And by just came out, I mean like last week so so nintendo knows how to how to capitalize on nostalgia even if it's not yours 
in a right. way that is different from everybody else's. Yes, Nintendo is very, um, you know, very good at maximizing their their IP. You know, they're very, they're, and we've talked about this before. Like, I don't know what would happen if they were a little bit more fast and loose with who could play. You know, what kind of systems could play Nintendo games and right. how easy it was to get Nintendo games. Um, but well, I think you know, they're really. I, I mean, think people, they would say that it would be a disaster because their experience with that, with the Panasonic made uh, Zelda games, was such a disaster. <laughs> they're they're not usually willing to let their IP out of their direct line of sight anymore. Yeah, so they've. I mean, so they've done a really good job of, you know, being about storytelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a particular type of sort of cute storytelling that yeah. people like, and that and that's the and that's their gig. And yeah, and they've managed they've managed they to maintain a couple of franchises for a very long time without becoming Activision. You know, like the yeah. the the idea that there's another that there's another Zelda uh, Breath of the Wild game coming out, and that. Nintendo decided to do it do it as a sequel because there were so many DLC ideas that Nintendo did not want to screw their players over <laughs> doing it as DLC after DLC after DLC that they decided to build it as a whole second game that's not Activision you know they they know they know how to focus on the gamer and not on the uh, investors i guess So you can play a Mario game. You know, Mario's been around, what, uh, the 82 was the first home game? 83, something like that? So it, here we are in 2019, and they're releasing new Mario games. Nobody's tired of it. Nobody calls them out for milking a franchise. In fact, if they don't come out fast enough, people get mad. As opposed to Call of Duty that people are like, oh my god, are they doing another one? <laughs> so, you know... I like the idea of of seeing some slightly more modern games come to Switch Online. Um, obviously, I have all the old consoles. We've discussed it many times on the show. <laughs> you mentioned the 2600. I've got one of those. A couple of NES and Genesis and all those things. But there's something about something about having it on hardware that I I trust more modern hardware. <laughs> that's super appealing. So, anyway, um, there's no timeline on what this might mean, uh, you know, when we might see something like this, but the fact that the company has, you know, officially said, yes, we're looking into it, is a good sign uh, for the future. This week's news from the tubes on F5 Live is proudly powered by Rift Tracks. Make fun of movies or let these guys do it for you because they're the professionals. Mike Nelson, Bill Corbett, and Kevin Murphy, the former stars of Mystery Science Theater 3000, are back and doing what they do best. Creating commentaries for Hollywood blockbusters and B-movie oddities like... Um, oh, it went away. It was a silly name. I liked it, though. Oh, well. Uh, let's go with Sherlock Holmes and the Deadly Necklace. 
I don't even know what to do with that string of words. Uh, the way it usually works, <laughs> <laughs> the way it works is for a couple of dollars, you download the MP3, uh, play it along with your DVD, Netflix, Amazon, wherever the movie happens to exist, and laugh. Um, the, the mobile app is also really great, because uh, all you have to do is say, this is the movie I'm doing, and it will sync up with your TV automatically. Absolutely wonderful. I love it. Um, they also do uh, live events. Um, I don't know if if and or when our next live event is. I know there was one uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Um, August 15th, the giant spider invasion. Whew will be in theaters nationwide. And to find out what theaters you can see it in and to see all the feature-length films and the short films, you can go to f5live.tv slash track with an X. While I wasn't feeling well this past week, I actually watched a bunch of riff tracks because it always makes me feel better. <laughs> uh, and a bunch of the old live events, too. Um... All right, so uh, we have talked a number of times over the last couple of years about uh, the fear that governments across the world have about encryption. Uh, the The uh, conversation was uh, stirred up most recently in, uh, in the last couple of years by the San Bernardino case where um, there was an iPhone that had information that they thought might be useful for putting together a timeline and one of the police made a stupid mistake ended up locking the phone um until like locking the phone and when the phone ends up being locked uh it encrypts the storage and so uh they tried to get a court order to force apple to create a whole special version of ios so that they could bypass the lock and apple said no thank you because once a hack like that exists, it exists, and we'd like to not have that be a thing. Um, and so that started to stir up the conversation about, um, quote-unquote, responsible encryption, which is a silly term that does not mean what it sounds like. It means that uh, the only responsibility for the encryptor is to the government and not to the person that they are encrypting it for. Uh, and so... It has been a a sensitive subject across across the world. Uh, we talked a while back that Australia tried to pass a law uh, banning strong encryption, and uh, now, according to a report from one of those black box secret uh, executive branch meetings, the uh, the executive branch of the United States is considering asking Congress to do the same thing and pass a law that would outlaw. Uh, unbreakable encryption or strong encryption which oh my goodness is a terrible idea for so many yes. reasons so so yes. so many reasons yes so first of all you're right it would eventually leak out to other uh, entities besides the u.s government but you know once the encryption it first of all First of all, I won't even come down a pro and con of this, but I think there's a lot of people who don't necessarily trust the U.S. government. Sure. And then let's throw on top of that the fact that if it's made here, just because these are American companies, doesn't mean that they also would not share the back door with other governments mm -hmm. of other countries. Yeah. 
So if you don't like, if you trust the U.S. government, don't mind anyone in the U.S. government getting access to your data. How about how about the government of any other country right. you can name? Right. Exactly. Do you want them having access to your data? Do you want them having access to the data of people who are, you know, activists or, you know, doing things that, you know, maybe that government doesn't like? Right. Because uh, there are there are a lot know, of places so, where being an activist, being a, an anti-government, you know, outspoken person, you might just disappear. You know, there, there are several countries where we've seen that happen. You know, Russia that has happened a number of times over the last couple of years. If you're not able to, to keep your stuff secret in a place like that, Ooh, really bad stuff starts to happen. Yeah. Yeah. No question about it. So yeah, there, there, there will be people who, you know, there would be people who die because of this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, or I don't know, they'd have to find another way of communicating, but, I don't know what the other way of communicating is, you know, in this digital age piece of paper. I was going to say, what did they use? You in the get 80s? back to letters. Yeah. What did dissidents use in the, what did dissidents of, you know, repressive regimes use in the eighties to communicate paper? I don't know. Um, wasn't easy though. Right. Right. Um, so, so I think, you know, now of course, the pro-government side would be, well, yes, but then there will be criminals and terrorists and all kinds of people who will encrypt what they are doing. I mean, I guess that, you know, you have privacy. They always have, you have though. security. They, they've right. always obfuscated you, what they're doing. They've there's just different ways to do it today than there were, like you said, in the eighties, because the criminals were obfuscating their conversations then too. Yes, exactly. So, you know, yes, there's any time that you have an open society where people do not, where the government does not get to see everything that you do, you will, there will be people who will take advantage of that mm -hmm. to commit crimes. But it's, I would argue that it is better than the alternative where you have uh, where you have a closed society where the government can see everything that you do. So, um, yeah, it's it's quite frightening. Uh, and that's that's just with the thought that a government or governments would have this. But as you suggest, uh, it'll get out there and all kinds of other actors will will get it. Mm -hmm. Criminals probably want to break into your stuff. Yep. So, yeah, and that you know, that That's... was that was Tim Cook's whole argument in in court. You know, CEO of Apple sat in, in a federal court and had to say. If we create a way to bypass the encryption on the phones, then we have created a way to bypass the encryption on the phones. We understand you were saying that we can keep it, that it's entirely internal. We don't have to give it to you. You will give us the phone. We would install the operating system and then hand you the the unlocked device. But that would involve it existing. Once it exists, it will guaranteed get out of our control. And, you know, if 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 Edward Snowden is a person who exists and what he did happened, 
which we I think we all know what happened there. If the government can't keep its own secrets, there's no way somebody like Apple's going to keep something. There's way more people with their hands in that pie <laughs> than the the couple dozen people that were in Snowden's group, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it'll get out no matter how it, private you try and keep something like that it will get out and it will get into the wrong hands plain and simple in the case of of the iphone all of a sudden you know there's an, a market again for stealing an iphone which right now there kind of isn't because once you report it stolen to apple the thing basically bricks itself until you can unlock it which is what the government asked them to do Here's another thing to consider. So the, so the U.S. government is asking companies to do, quote unquote, responsible encryption, which means a backdoor. But there will be other entities and companies that come up with with encryption that has no backdoor. So they're putting those companies at a at a competitive disadvantage. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There will there like. I guarantee you that there will be a way like just because remember, just because Apple wants to say, okay, we're going to put a backdoor into our iPhone doesn't mean that other people aren't going to come up with, you know, other hardware, other software Mm -hmm. that is encrypted. I mean, there's a lot of, there's not one encryption. There are many. So, you know, yeah, you've got, uh, I'm assuming that, You've got Microsoft that just just this week announced uh, the the vault, right? The personal vault or whatever in uh, in Azure. Nope, in uh, OneDrive, um, which is a, an end to end encrypted uh, section of OneDrive, which Microsoft cannot breach. Now, if the government says Microsoft has to be able to breach it, well, you can guarantee that some company that we've never heard of today is going to create something somewhere in Tor, you know, that's anonymous and completely, completely end to end encrypted that can't be traced. And you're right. It puts Microsoft at a massive uh, disadvantage because everybody's going to want to be able to encrypt their data in a way that can't be broken. Yes. So, there will always be a way. There will always be a way around it, uh, both ways. There will be a way to take advantage of a backdoor, and there will be organizations that secretly put together other types of encryption, plain and simple. So, um, I we had somebody ask uh, when this got posted uh, on Facebook. We had somebody ask. Um, you know, how, how do you enforce something like this? You know, how does the government enforce something like this? And I said, oh, in reality, only against the big guys. It's the only way to enforce it. Yeah, yeah that's the other thing. Also, here's, here's my question. What about all the things that are encrypted right now and don't have a backdoor in mm-hmm. them? They can't retroactively put a backdoor into systems that don't, that, that don't have one now, right? Nope that stuff's already encrypted. Yep. I guess they could, you know, update windows so that anything windows encrypts from now on and decrypts when it re-encrypts or whatever, uh, now has a back door in it. Yeah. But people who didn't update windows, people who have, or some other software, the third party software they're using for encryption. Right. If it's, you know, 
it's not going to help them with stuff that's it would have to be a new encryption that has a backdoor correct yeah so you know you'd have to have bitlocker would have to go and undo everything on a drive as part of an update and then redo it with a with a new algorithm that's got you know a common key somewhere so yeah so yes. you just new and unimproved yeah you just you just prevent a certain you know kb download in windows 10 and you just you would avoid it 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 there's no way it would ever work i guess is the is the thing you can try but there'd be a million ways around it somebody's going to create a, a bitlocker competitor and publish it on the on on tour nobody will know who it is you know we're 10 years into into bitcoin and we don't know who it is uh and that's that's public you know what i mean it it's easy enough to stay anonymous on something like that there's all kinds of like open source type projects that people have no idea who's behind ages later so it, yeah there'd be all kinds of alternatives there's no way to enforce it you could only enforce it with threats of jail against you know satya nadala from from microsoft and guys like that but there'd be a million other ways to deal with it i guess is the important takeaway there yep This week's DRM not included on F5 Live is proudly powered by Amazon Prime. You know your basic benefits, but there's a lot more. You get uh, Prime Music, which has several million tracks available to stream for free as part of your subscription. There's Abrams' favorite Prime Video with TV, movies, documentaries, both original and licensed content, uh, including some HBO back catalog and all kinds of stuff. Also available as part of your subscription. Then there's my favorite, Twitch Prime, which gives you uh, one free subscription on Twitch, which you can use to help support your favorite streamer. You can use it for us or any other content creator. You also get free games every month, uh, which is really great. Um, I've been playing all kinds of free games off of Twitch Prime lately, um, including my favorite, one of my favorite games of all time, Psychonauts was on there um and then right now they've still got a deal where you can get a free year of switch online for your nintendo switch and also get the free games over there which we talked about a little while ago uh there's a lot of other benefits as well we've got a list of our favorites and uh quick links to get to them plus if you're not currently a subscriber we've got a 30-day free trial which right now is a great time to try it out because prime day is just about two weeks away uh and you can get all those benefits as part of your trial as well you can see all of that by going to f5live.tv slash prime so speaking of streaming something interesting happened this week um a change of direction uh, we know that uh, obviously TV stations cancel shows all the time, sometimes after a short period of time, sometimes after a long, um, you know, uh, and older series can get new life on streaming services. Uh, you know, The Office is still the number one streamed show on any platform 
uh, and it's on uh, exclusively on Netflix right now. It will be moving over to NBC in 2021, but it's it is the most watched show on streaming um, now. Years after it ended, uh, we've seen shows like The Mindy Project get saved from oblivion by Hulu. Uh, Arrested Development was revived. Uh, a while after it had been canceled by Netflix. But this week, something weird happened. Netflix canceled one day at a time after a couple of seasons. And uh, for the first time ever, a cable network has picked up the option to continue that series. Never before has a traditional TV service uncanceled a show canceled by a streaming service. It's backwards and it's super weird. <laughs> well, we know that uh, I was reading somewhere about Netflix's contracts that they have with the various production agencies they use for their original shows. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those contracts actually forbid the shows from going to other networks. Yeah. Forbid the hop afterwards. Even, even the yeah. contract that Netflix had with, uh, with, marvel from marvel's own shows marvel isn't allowed to create a competitor for their own content for three years yeah exactly so (laughs) pretty airtight on netflix's side so that makes this even weirder it's it's sad um you know for those shows Mm -hmm. you know like i really liked um santa clarita diet and Mm -hmm. they cancel it after three seasons and apparently you know one of the things is that they cancel a lot of shows after three seasons apparently they figured out in binge watching or or something people only binge watch up to a certain point and they don't see they don't see a lot of people binge watching more than three seasons or something fascinating uh uh and but and something like it's like eight episodes is a good they they figure it out down uh-huh. to the number of episodes and down to the number of seasons. Sad for people like me who, <laughs> if you really like a show, you're just going to keep watching. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, yeah, I so could. This is so I this could, is surprising. I could watch Travelers for weeks, <laughs> and it's interest interesting. It's gone. Interesting, you mentioned. Yeah, that was at Gone After Three. Yep. Interesting you mentioned that show. I, I liked that show. I felt that they brought it to a fairly satisfying conclusion. Like yes. it wasn't much of a cliffhanger. Um so so that's good. Meanwhile, not to go too far off topic, but my absolutely favorite streaming show probably of all time. I fin- just finished watching the second season today of Dark. Uh-huh. Uh and uh, I can't recommend that show enough. It is so excellent on Netflix. But, um, you know, that's they've actually only planned to have three seasons. So, okay. so they, supposedly they're, they went into like it knowing that. their third season. They went into I it guess, knowing yeah, that supposedly. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's that's good. But when you have a show that you see, yeah, I would be nice if it continued. Um, well, the, so the thing that's that the thing that sets this show apart from most of the others, I think, and the reason why it was allowed to be picked up by another network is that one day at a time is a retelling of an older series. Right. Um, and 
Netflix doesn't own the rights to it. They licensed the name. And, you know, and I think that's the reason why they were allowed to option out because it's not actually Netflix's show. Like if uh, if Fuller House had done better than it did when it was canceled, I bet I bet ABC could have optioned it is my guess because again it's it's abc's intellectual property i bet i bet they could have optioned it out but it didn't do well enough for them to care but i bet i bet they could have if disney wanted to i bet they could have continued it but but you said marvel can't continue theirs, so that's interesting right? right but that was yeah that was a that was a wider agreement between the two of them though for yeah like i won five series and a whole like there was a whole big thing there i think that yeah but yeah i so it's definitely an interesting move it's definitely backwards from what we're used to talking about so what are the ramifications of this does this mean that valerie bertinelli and eddie van halen have to get remarried Oh my god! I don't even know what to do with that sentence, Abram. <laughs> sorry, sorry that. Sorry for those who have only watched the new show, and I'm old enough to have only watched the old show. Valerie Bertinelli was like the main one of the main characters on the show, yeah. and she was married to Eddie Van Halen in real life uh, for a long time. Oh, yeah. Before, uh, before changing her personal goals, I guess. Uh, <laughs> anyway um so so speaking of ramifications in in real life uh they're actually kind of interesting so i think what happened here is the network that picked it up is pop tv pop tv is owned by cbs who owns obviously cbs all access who has been attempting to to kind of bolster the cbs all access streaming service and so they just picked up a critically popular and a um a show with a diehard streaming base that could likely see it move over to cbs all access they have said that that um episodes will air on all access after they premiere on on pop tv so it's possible that they are trying to woo some netflix diehards uh that were big fans of this show to come try out cbs all access with something that they're already familiar with if so i think it's a brilliant move because you know they've they've struggled to get people to accept all access and if they're already because it's cbs and it's got the you know it's got the eye and everybody recognizes the logo but if if you were already a fan of the show and it's just hopped from one streaming service to another, you might follow it. At least in a limited sure. in a I limited mean, run. Yeah, look, if a show I really liked hopped, then I would certainly consider it. Yeah. So it might end up being a brilliant move to expose some new people to CBS All Access. Maybe some of them stay. Um, which, you know, I think would be be good for their service obviously because it's not inexpensive to run something like that so uh 
and then you know with with new shows like Picard and stuff coming, you know they've the timing might be might be right. Uh, what we don't know is exactly what the timeline on all of this will be, or what it means for the old seasons, the three Netflix seasons. We don't know if those will stay on Netflix, if they'll also be available on all access, if they'll move entirely, which would be a new thing for Netflix. Um, so we don't know what any of that means, or even when uh, season four will premiere. Uh, on pop tv but obviously um they will probably make a big deal of it when it happens well that is our show thank you to those of you who joined us live we always we always appreciate um having our live viewers i saw uh some people in and out on my count over here so thank you to those of you who joined us live if you weren't able to join us live and would like to in the future sunday nights 9 p.m eastern f5live.tv slash join us and uh if you would like to instead subscribe and uh listen on your own timetable because it's not just appointment television here uh <laughs> You can go to ployketslive.com slash subscribe, and there you'll see all of our shows and all of the many ways that uh, you can subscribe to them, uh, social and uh, podcatchers and all of that, and of course on YouTube. So um, uh, I guess with that, on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we will see you guys back next time. Ciao.